first thing at Tony and besides hey how are you thank you for doing this uh congratulations on seeing through a film did you know that you want to direct it and not just write it I have always wanted to direct a feature film so yes it has been the the dream and the goal and made it happen during the pandemic because I had been waiting too long and hoping it was going to happen another way so we did it in this this way and it, it kind of worked <laughs> Okay, so I want to work this around so everyone gets to give their two cents or 10 cents or whatever number of cents. Allison, how did you find your way into this great, great film? I mean, Tony's generosity, he was writing it for not only himself to direct, but it was also a lot based on his own experiences. And so he was going to be the lead and we were working on something for another feature film that that is in development that he's that he's written that's amazing. And and he offered to uh, rework the script and offered me the part. And I jumped at it. Huge opportunity. And yeah. Okay. Allie, same question you, Allie. How did you find your way into this whole picture? I have a friend um, named Jeremy. We both worked on a soap opera together. And he was in a movie that, so it wasn't your first, Tony. It was a short film instead of a feature. A feature is daunting. But he directed this beautiful short that he sent me and said, you've got to meet this dude. And he wants a character to play Allison's mother. And he said, you're going to love this guy. He's a beautiful human. And when I, I, I connected with Jeremy because he's such a beautiful guy on a big set where not everybody's beautiful, you know, <laughs> as a human. And... Um, so I trusted him automatically. So we just got, we had a phone call, I think at midnight or one in the morning, Tony, something like that. Those were the hours I was keeping and we immediately connected. So that's how I met him. And, and then I, I got on a plane with little earphones and flew up. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can that. <laughs> uh, Cameron, the same question at you and the part B to throw onto that, is Tony a, a beautiful human like I'm <laughs> hearing that he is? Tony is a beautiful, sexy human, actually. Whoa. I'm going to add another adjective to that as well. Um, and to answer the first part of the question, I met Tony and Brave Makers just through the amazing community that is the Bay Area when it comes to like filmmaking and artistry out there, which is, it's really a gem. I don't remember how Last Chance Charlene and Dino came up. I just know we stayed in similar circles and I've always wanted to work with him. And mm -hmm. we did like a short before that, but I, I don't remember how Last Chance Charlene came up. I just knew that the ability to work with him and on a feature and these two amazing human beings as well was an opportunity that I was not going to pass on. When I was writing it, I had Cameron in mind. So I wrote it specifically with what I knew he could bring. So that was kind of the cool thing about knowing his talent and character meaning his human character in the bay area and uh yeah it was a good also a good choice too all three of these amazing human beings and also speaking of sexy <laughs> his character <laughs> he's one yeah. human. an actor she could say that for he me he gets to show off <laughs> Dirtless it, it sounds like there's no such thing as working with tony once you have to work with tony at least twice and all of you are in that boat now Allie, obviously, I grew up watching The Wonder Years because who didn't? But there's not a lot of showbiz. <laughs> well, there's not a lot of showbiz parodies on your resume. So it's really a change of pace for 
your filmography, I'd have to imagine that was appealing to do something very different from a traditional drama or a soap opera. Yes. Um, the story was definitely, um, I, I don't know if you know this, but um, I recently lost my husband. So it was a particularly vulnerable time. I wasn't mm -hmm. sure that it was maybe too soon, but that the fact that this was a story about something as profound as suicide uh, had a huge, was a huge, and that's what Tony and I talked about at one o'clock in the morning, was like how it was all going to work and uh, whether or not I literally spiritually could handle it at that point in my life. But I so felt so comfortable with him. Mm -hmm. I just knew I was going to feel protected and, and that, so yeah. Yeah. Now, Allison, throwing this at you, the character has to deal with a lot. How do you prep for a role like this besides just being around entertainment people and living life? I mean, I had a lot of things that I could deeply connect with myself being, uh, you know, someone in, you know, in the industry, I don't know, of that age and, and, uh, and a lot of the personal things I've also dealt with uh, the loss of loved ones by suicide as well. And I mean, there I spent a lot of time just trying to swim in, in her shoes. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't do a ton of, we didn't do rehearsal really. We talked a ton about the script and a ton about the relationships and that's where it set up the foundation. And then and then we just played on, on set. And, um, and so it was kind of exploring her as we were shooting, which sounds weird, but that's, that's, how, that's sort of how it evolved. Hmm. And there was so much on the page that there was a lot to to just deal with right like if you just allow yourselves to be in the situations and in the experiences that he was giving us it's kind of impossible not to not to feel the things you know right Cameron same question goes at you because we do see some humor in you without giving too much the car scene that that is in the trailer but obviously you're around in a script that deals with a lot. So is there a lot of special prep needed for you as well? I, I think the to kind of touch on what Allison was saying, the beautiful thing that Tony let us do was find moments uh, on set uh, while we were playing. Um, uh, yes, there is prep for sure, you know, trying to find yourself within the character, trying to figure out who this character mm -hmm. is, what they bring to each scene. And also having a director like Tony who allows you to play with your scene partner. And I was blessed because I had amazing scene partners every time I got to get on set. A lot of that was with Allison. And um, yeah, when you have a partner like that, you kind of rely on them to go back and forth with you. And um, I was yeah very, very grateful to have scene partners like that. She carried a lot of it, you know, so yeah. did Ellie as well. Like they, they carried a lot of the emotional weight and uh, mental strain that came with this beautiful, heartbreaking script. Um, and, you know, I did my best to try to just, you know, Keep, keep it going with them. Charlene couldn't have done it without Dino and Allie couldn't have done it without Cameron. That's the facts. <laughs> <laughs> Teamwork. That's the, that's the thing I'm hearing here. So yeah, Allie, you're dialing in from New York at the moment. No, I'm here. I'm, I'm oh. in here, meaning LA, you're in Atlanta, right? I'm in New York. I thought whenever I hear that somebody's working on a soap opera, I just assume that they're in New York, but I'm just totally wrong, I guess. No, a lot of the soap operas in New York have been canceled. So the Hospital and Bold and the Beautiful and uh, Young and the Restless are, are all, all out here. Is yeah. everyone in Los Angeles at the moment or the Bay Area rather? No, there's 
oh, you're kind of, I, I still, I, you know, I did one of those soaps for 13 years, but I know nothing about that world. I know there's another one that's, I think it's called One Life to Live that's still on. I'm not, and I don't know where that shoots, but I just did uh, four and a half months on General Hospital. And I, but I was on Bold and Beautiful for 13 years because my husband wanted me to take a job that was in town and stayed in town so that I wouldn't go to Vancouver all the time, which is, as Allison knows, everything's out of town now. And it's tough on a Well, throwing this to Tony, did all this film happen uh, in terms of filming in the same city? Yeah, I live in Redwood City, which is uh, south of San Francisco. And I don't know if you were asking before where we all are, you know, geographically, Ali is in Los Angeles. Cameron is in Los Angeles, but was living in the Bay at the time. Mm -hmm. Allison and I live in the same county, uh, kind of. Uh, so we were, you know, all basically in the Bay Area. I flew Ali up for, you know, her, her, her stuff. But I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, have been here for 25 years, get to go down to L.A., for you know different things here and there but it has not worked out or opened up for me to move to LA yet so I'm you know I'm planted here trying to make work and film happen here got it it's good to hear that there's still some people working in California and I say that because half the junkets I do it seems like they filmed it in Syracuse Louisiana or North Carolina or Oklahoma and they all seem to have a Vegas set a New York set <laughs> in those different locales. Yeah. You never know where anything's filmed anymore. Right. It's I, got, I got so much of our locations for free. Like we, you know, if you're in Los Angeles and you're in New York, it's really hard to film there. Everyone's like rolling their eyes. They don't want to do it, you know, yeah. but here in Redwood city, California, like, where is that even? It's kind of near Stanford, by the way, but people yeah. are like, Oh wow. A movie. Yeah, of course. You know, I think I only paid one permit or uh, one fee of a hundred dollars and that was the cemetery scene and everything else was free we, we shot at my house and allison's house by the way <laughs> score well the last question which i'm going to work around to everybody here is besides whatever great next project you have with tony what's next are you allowed to say because some people are under the variety.com embargo where they're not allowed to announce it before the publication does we'll start with allison first are you allowed to say what's next or is it this movie forever and ever and that's the last thing you do um i i shot a film in uh in la uh, that is making its way it's getting shopped and we'll see what happens with that um and then tony has amazing things on on deck that i get to be small pieces of that are continuing other character stories from and other things he's doing and i'm lucky that i'll get to work with him again as well Got it. Cameron, same, same thing at you. And does any of that intersect with Allison? Uh, yes, actually, it, one of them does intersect with Allison and Tony. And uh, I'm always happy to work with those. I'm going to leave that to Tony if he wants to talk. I feel like I'm Tom Holland in like the sense I'm always scared that I'm going to say something I'm not supposed to. I just leave <laughs> it to other people who have like higher than me to handle that business because I don't want to mess up. Uh, uh, but I am sure. working on a project this weekend and next uh, as a film between like a father, uh, a, a son and a mother rekindling like their relationship that I'm excited to be a part of. That's great. Something to look forward to on a few levels there. Uh, Ali, are you allowed to say what's next besides, you know, hailing Tony and all that? Um, I, I, I'm allowed to. It's it's just as actors, we, we're, I'm not totally sure. I know like coming up, 
something that I that I did after this movie, which is called Fantasy Island, that I shot in Puerto Rico, which was really fun actually, with the guy, my husband from the Wonder Years, Dan Loria. We were a grouchy, horrible couple on the on the island. That's coming out, I think, this month or something. I'm not sure when. Um, and then the general hospital that I did, because it it lasted four and a half months, I play a homicidal maniac killer, hook killer. Fun. Uh, I'm get I'm confessing and going to jail. I mean, they just said you just can't not go down for this. Kind of like Harvey Weinstein. At a certain point, you gotta go. To jail. So um, I'm gonna go. I'm going to jail. Uh, so this whole week is sort of the final week of the four and a half months. Um, but then they told me that they do want me to come back. So that's nice. So that'll be in the in the late spring, I guess, or something like that. And then Dan Loria, who I was with in Puerto Rico, wrote a play that we might do in New York this summer um that's just they just asked me yesterday so i i don't know which of any of that i'm doing because i'm gonna leave that kind of up to god but i also it's not happening yet tony but tony's written another really really great script that allison i probably all of us i imagine will be <laughs> knowing tony um and i'm always at his beck and call I mean, I'm, so I'm basically just, Tony has his Judd Apatow like cast of characters that are <laughs> if he wants us, we'll go. I just need the Judd Apatow money. That's not quite right. coming through yet. So not not Tony. sure. This is launching right now, Tony. Everyone's gonna watch this movie that hears this podcast. And can I just say one final thing? I don't know if you know this about Brave Maker, but on the set, every single person on the set is a young filmmaker of some kind. Every, mm -hmm. you know, every race, every creed, every background you can imagine of thought, but young, dedicated, kind of passionate kids, which is part of what makes the experience so amazing. They had tremendous respect for him. And then after every shoot day, everybody would, would, would sit and say what their day was like, what had sort of happened and what they'd learned, what it was, it was astonishing uh, feel that you know, made all of us as actors, um, especially this, the heavy stuff that me and Allison had to do, we felt so protected and loved and these kids were amazing. So that's part of his whole concept is he raises all these young people too, which is phenomenal. So that's another reason I'm, I'm, I'm a loyal believer. <laughs> so bravemaker.org is one of the ways to find out about the latest and the greatest from Tony and team. That's what I'm hearing. You got it. Well, thank you all for your time. I'm really looking forward to everything that's to come next from everybody. Congratulations on putting out a film that is funny, yet meaningful, yet heartwarming. Darren, thank you. I just want to plug this because nobody's asked for a sequel yet, but that's what they're alluding to is I'm writing this film called Eyes on Dino, which is really the story of what happens in Dino's life. And, you know, I'll give a quick little spoiler because we need someone to come through and fund it. But if you wondered what happened with Charlene's film, well, she did cast Dino to play the lead and how weird he plays her brother in her fictional film. And we see what happens with Dino and Ayla's relationship. And, you know, we got Lorena's character coming back. So that film, that script is in process. And that's the, the hope is to get that out into the world. Again, nobody asked for it yet nobody's even really watched <laughs> last chance so we'll see but that's that's the goal and and, 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 so, and many others as well so it sounds like the tony verse is happening <laughs> and that is a domain to be purchased today tony okay verse. bring it please please i love it
Congratulations on winning this contest. How long did you have to keep it a secret for that you won? months maybe because of the final was on the 21st of november so yeah it's sort of like um three months we sort of we're allowed to tell the inner circle like friends and family uh, my family my parents um actually came to the live show which was really uh was which was so nice and supportive of them and i um like there's a really nice sort of shot of, of me calling them to tell them that i've won because i'm like I have, I have to tell them i have to stay <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, but yeah, three months. Does it change your life in a big way to win this? I don't just mean, hey, there's a prize and all that, but being attached to such a major brand, mm -hmm. I'd have to imagine that it changes your life. Oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely. Because there's sort of like, obviously the money, the sum is life-changing, but just the um, recognition for doing something like this because it is basically the biggest comedy competition in the world by the nature of the prize money like it just is like there's um we sort of like in the UK we have two competitions which are pretty big like the Edinburgh best show competition mm -hmm. um I think the prize is 10 grand and then I think you have British comedian of the year where the prize is 10 grand and one pound because they were like we're gonna beat them we're gonna beat those guys um, and oh. this is there's no comparison um, so so just yeah. having sort of recognition for having competed in something so grand is um is big because like whenever you win a competition there'll be a bit of stuff surrounding you but this is this is the first of its kind i hope they do more um i hope that they carry on with the with the creative fund um yeah. like obviously i'm biased towards comedy but this is the second series that they've done they actually did um one with fashion that was released last year so this is the this is the comedy one and i'm very happy to have won the first comedy one <laughs> right well another big thing for you is you're playing the latitude festival which yeah. i i'm blown away by that lineup when you see you know paulo natini and yeah, Paul yeah. and james and all that when you go to that do you just stay to the comedy area or is it an excuse to see a lot of your favorite artists after doing your set Oh, I'm definitely going to check out the music. Like, I can't wait to see Sophie Ellis Baxter. Like, like she's a bit of a throwback, but I really, I really want to see her. And yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun weekend. I get a guest pass. So I'll probably like bring a friend along and and just like have loads of fun with it. Um, it's something I've, I, a few of my friends have done it before, and they've had such a great time. And I know I'm just like picturing that photo of like me on the stage with like sort of like on the video behind you like just like really big I'm like, I know the photo I want I've got I'm thinking about outfits like now <laughs> so there that means that there's effort in choosing your outfit for the festival as well oh yeah sure yeah yeah I mean I think like all performers are different but I think for me personally I think it's important to maybe dress like what your material or what your persona represents like I, I had a very like um because I manifest everything and I had and so when I sort of like found out I'd be doing the competition, I was like, okay, this is the outfit I'm going to wear for the finale. Like, I'm like, it's the right. final. You've got to step it up. You've got to have like, it's got to be um, just like heightened, I think, because <laughs> the stakes are so high. I'm like, I've got to dress nice. <laughs> 
when you win a branded competition like this, does this mean that you have to now do 10 minutes of material about how you won the OnlyFans competition, but you're it's not what you think? Do you have to do that? I think like because it, it was because it's such a dramatic life event, it took a little while to process. And I've yeah. only sort of like started talking about it in stand up now. And also, I couldn't I couldn't talk about it like you know like because um, uh, I wanted to just keep it a secret. And so like I would maybe like allude to it, and now I can like properly talk about it. Um, and and I think you can you definitely like make jokes about like what the clap like because I'm like. They've not been known to do a comedy competition before right. um, as a platform, um, but and so you just sort of like you sort of like do that joke and get it out of the way. But I guess like because like because it's on OFTV, that's like the safer work um, strand of OnlyFans. Um, so so you know you can watch the competition in your office. It should be fine. Um, yeah. But I do. I will definitely because it's such an it's such a crazy story have to talk about it like it's just such a wild life experience um i'll definitely talk about it um in stand-up i have to address it people are going to be <laughs> i'm looking forward to that and that's an international thing the latitude festival isn't an international thing should we be expecting more international kind of touring from you in the near future i think i mean near future is maybe like so i I'm doing I'm doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with my debut um this year, which is sort of like and with maybe like traditional comedy careers, that's kind of like when you're out in society. That's when like everyone is watching you. That's your introduction to the industry. And I I've been fortunate enough to like do other bits like I've done a couple of bits of Comedy Central and then obviously this has happened, uh, which is <laughs> the most fortunate thing ever. Um and so I think my journey is already like just not a traditional one. Um but I would like to do the Melbourne Comedy Festival uh, um after Edinburgh. It's sort of like basically the way it goes is you do Edinburgh and then you're kind of like then you're open to do lots of other places. Like a few of my friends who did Edinburgh last year have done a bit like in New York and um, I would I would love to go to the, the Melbourne Fringe and I would love to do the show in New York. I've never been to the States, you know. I've never, oh. I've never been. <laughs> I'm sure there is an audience waiting for you here. Well. <laughs> the, the, the Edinburgh equivalent for U.S. comedians is usually you do the Montreal just for laughs thing, yes. at the showcase. Uh, but I don't think that that's as cool to comics as Edinburgh. I think that that is the peak of coolness for being cosmopolitan and all welcoming. I mean, that's so nice that you would say that because I have done Edinburgh as a student and I've done it like, I don't think it's cool at all. I think it's like, it's it's so like, it's chaotic and it's beautiful, but it is not like, and I've done it as a student where I was like sharing a room with like three other comedians and like, you know, I'd fly on my own shows like most of the time and you just go a little bit insane. But the fact that other people, like people outside of us, like miserable British people think that it's cool. And that's nice to know, like you're well, incorrect. <laughs> let, let's be honest, when you work in entertainment, you realize it's not so glamorous. But if you have a boring day job, you go, oh man, imagine earning a paycheck in entertainment. That's gotta be the greatest thing. It's not <laughs> like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, so I would definitely recommend it for people to do. So my last question for you is 
my wife and I are always looking for a new TV show to watch. You know, we pick a show, we watch it in three days, we go, what's next? I figured, why not ask a professional comedian what's funny or interesting that we should be watching? So do you have a pick or two for us? A pick for what you should watch um, on TV. Oh my god, this is so. This would be so bad if I give a bad recommendation because I literally work in TV. It's my day job. No, it, um, it might be so bad that it's good. So it works both ways. And I'm sorry. I'm also sort of like, I'm like, what would you have access to? Because you know, like some stuff you just can't watch. Um, oh, you can get it all. There's no such thing as a firewall yeah. these days. Okay, well then you should watch. Uh, it's a show. I'm very biased, but my uh, the production company I work at made it. And it's a very cool hybrid show about, so um, it's sort of like a mockumentary um, of this um, uh, legendary performance venue for Moth Club. And it's a mix of mockumentary sketches and live performances. And it was on Dave on UK TV. Um, so watch that. I think you should get that watch. Will do. Well, hopefully you get over to the States in the near future, but congratulations on this victory and everything that's coming up for you in the near future, Mary. Looking forward to whatever is next. Oh, thank you so much. The first question I have for the man from Congo and Langston <laughs> is, have you received a third email from your friend from Detroit? Not yet, man. No, not yet. I'm. I know it's coming though. I, I'm open for it. Yeah, I. I think. I think we've opened a pretty nasty can of worms that that uh, will keep refilling itself uh, with with more and more rot. So yeah, I, I think this is the last. This isn't the last we've seen of our boy. I just want him to address me by my name. Yeah. Or like some abbreviation of such day. And, and I think that's where you're asking too much. If, if you're, you want right. my honest opinion, I think you're really stretching. If you think this man who apparently listens pretty frequently, yeah. if you're asking him to learn your name, you're being unreasonable. I, I say it every episode. All right. All right. You do. I mean, the voice of Comedy Central does say his name every episode. So any chance I get. <laughs> and then the follow-up question that I have also for Dave is have you since listened to Adrian Brody's excellent Saturday Night Live performance with the Patois and all? Yeah, I did. I forgot to tell Langston. I did listen to it. That was crazy. He had an outfit that clearly had not gone through any type of like. Like he did that all on his own. Yeah. He was like shot, and he kept saying, "What did he kept saying?" Like I think he said "Rude Boy" like six times. Yeah, and Scott Paul just had to be like, "All right, here's my single." This is really great TV, to be honest. It, it it felt like he was walking through the halls, and there was like a loose costume rack with some Jamaican shit on it, and he was like, "I have an idea." Yeah, it's my Wait, time. Crazy. Like, like you know how nobody approves any of that. No. Like you know how when actors they their instincts are bad and it goes crazy. That's what that was. He was like, "This is gonna be me being a real thespian on the show." You want yeah. rock with Rude Boy? He's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to to help redeem him, did you ever see the episode of Adrian Brody appearing on Andrew Dice Clay's sitcom Dice, where he becomes the Dice character? No. Okay. Crossover. I didn't know I needed. It is fantastic. I will not watch a show. Well, aside from Bust Down, 
I will not watch a show more than once. I've watched that one episode with my wife like five times of Adrian wow. Brody becoming Dice Clay. So I think he's going to be exonerated in the eyes of your show. I, first of all, I, I think just to clarify our show, I I never lost love for Adrian Brody for the beautiful work he did in Patois. I think other shows, <laughs> other shows may ask him to be accountable for whatever racism lived inside of that, but not us. We, we're yeah. proud of it, Adrian. I will say it's, it felt like it came from an appreciate, like, you know how there's people who have like one impression and they all want, always want to do it. That's yeah. like the vibe. It felt like it came from it. Yeah. It didn't feel like he hadn't studied. It felt no, like he put the time in. Yeah. 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 And it didn't, it didn't feel like he learned a lot, but he studied hard. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think overall he has an affinity for the Caribbean people on the whole. Yeah. So but big up. Adrian, pick up, pick up. Brat, brat to you, sir. Outro cast.